you live in America right now, it could feel like the world is just burning. The recent death of George Floyd, where he was killed by a police officer, has sparked riots across the United States, and especially even violent ones, unfortunately. And I think that this is an important time to, for us all to take a seat and think about and talk about what is going on and how it can be a lesson even for us in our personal lives. Because Jesus himself actually often handled situations like the very one that we are seeing before us today. And we're going to talk about that soon. And I want to say that in this video, I'm not going to be talking about the politics behind these events and things that are happening, but rather I want to talk about the, the, whether it's racism, whether it's sexism or any other form of discrimination and then all these things, which is obviously rooted in this thing we call hatred. And of course, let me just start off by saying that the timing of all this is so interesting because it all started just as we entered the famous feast of God called Pentecost, where it is well known that the Holy Spirit was poured out 2000 years ago on this feast date. And with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, John the Baptist said Jesus will baptized and baptize us in fire. Now, isn't it interesting that we have the baptism of fire on Pentecost and at the same time as, as that event, we have fire starting all across the country. The one is a pure, holy fire of the Holy Spirit, undefiled, where the other is one that comes from violence, hatred and all things that aren't good. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is there to inspire us to bear good fruits of the Spirit, while the other lacks all fruits of the Spirit, but instead is done from the fruit of the flesh that we see. And I think this is what the enemy always tries to do. He always is doing the counterfeit thing on the Father's feast day. And it's also all a testimony of how when we don't have the Holy Spirit and his fruits in our life, what it looks like, what this world would end up, what is the road the world would end up taking. And so, brothers and sisters, I want to first of all talk about this thing we call hatred, because I think all of us, every one of you watching, including me, will face the many times in our life where we can choose whether we want to hate or not. And the world will tell us that we have the full right to have hatred at all times, especially when there has been discrimination against us. But discrimination is no thing foreign to me, even personally, per se. Just want to tell you a little story. I remember when I went for my first job interview. I come from a country called South Africa. I now live in America, but I come from South Africa. In South Africa, if you know anything about its history, it was an apartheid state. That means that there was intense uh, discrimination in terms of racism, in essence, against black people, even not too long ago. 1994 was the end of apartheid in South Africa, where black people started becoming more treated as white people were, and there weren't laws restricting them in any way. And those things that were happening is it's disgusting. The things that, uh, that, that South Africa what has happening in South Africa 
back then, it was just horrible against my black brothers and sisters. And when all that started being phased out and the new government came into power in South Africa, we had laws being put into place, which is kind of taking some of the laws and uh, that was perpetrated against black people and now turning it on its head. So now we have things like called black empowerment. And these laws called black empowerment impacts many of the lives of people in South Africa today, some for good, some for bad. And I remember that I was going for my first job interview straight out of university. And this was a really great job I, I thought I could get into. It was a, an amazing big company and I was excited and I went, I was even went to intern with them for a few weeks. And I eventually applied to get the job and I went for the interview and these guys interviewed me. They seemed impressed, etc. And afterwards they told me they'd let me know. And then uh, soon thereafter, they contacted me and they told me that uh, there was nothing wrong with my resume, with my, my anything. They were, they wanted me on board, but he said he's so sorry that he can't hire me because I'm a white person. Because see, the law says that if there's too many white people in the company, they can't hire anymore, you know? So that was one of my first tastes of it right out of university. And I could have gone in that moment, um, brothers and sisters, I could have gone and said, wow, I hate black people because of that. Or I hate this or that because of it. But actually, I was a believer. I believed in God. And let me tell you that no matter what doors men try and open or close, God opens doors no man can shut. No man can shut. If you're a believer, that's what he does for us. It doesn't matter what your color of skin is. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter any of that. He opens doors no one can shut. And soon thereafter, I got the job that God wanted me to have. And I was blessed beyond measure in that. And I was right where I needed to be. And then furthermore, and I can speak for South Africa. I mean, we have many other things, horrible things happening in the country. Um, people being targeted because of their skin color and there's violence being done on an unprecedented scale towards both black and white people. It's a horrible situation because of the past. Because see, it all was, it, it all started with apartheid, right? We, we had oppression of the black people. And now because of all their anger and the hatred towards white people from some black people, we now have a cycle that starts because now white people hate black people, black people hate white people. The one does this to the other, this, then they do that to the back. And, and there's just this endless cycle of hatred. And let me just say while I'm at this topic that just like in South Africa and in the United States and every other place in the world where we speak and see, speak about and see these things, the majority of people aren't like this. I, I loved my black brothers and sisters and my friends were some of them were black and I and they loved me back and there was none of this baggage that affected us. Okay, but nonetheless, the minorities always get the vo gets the voice and it's always something that gets stirred up. 
And because there is so much violence been done, even against, you know, people we know, maybe because of their skin color, the world will tell me that I have the full right to start having hate. Whether it's because of the discrimination in terms of getting a job, whether it's because there are people being murdered because of their skin color or whatever it is, the world will tell you that it's okay to, to allow hate towards you to produce hate in you. But it's not. Jesus teaches us, teaches us that you can't allow hate towards you to produce hate in you. And if you do, you become no better than those who did those things against you. The moment that you allow hate into your heart for that person. The Bible teaches us that we cannot be a racist and a Christian at the same time. The Bible teaches us that you can't be someone who has hatred in your heart, no matter what they did against you and be a Christian at the same time. The Bible teaches us that you cannot be a sexist or insert whatever discrimination or whatever you want here. You can't be that and a Christian at the same time. It's an incompatibility. And Paul speaks about it when he says in Galatians 5:19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh of its passions and its desires. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions. You can't have these in your life and call yourself a Christian. You can't say I belong to Christ while you have these things in your life. Dissensions of any kind. You can't have it. 1 John 4 verse 20 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And some people would go and try and twist this and say, oh, well, you know, I don't consider this or that person my brother, so I don't have to love them. The Bible says I should only love those who are my brother. You're missing the point. It's all about if you can see someone who God created and not love them. For that is God's creation. How can you say that you love God whom you do not see? Otherwise, it would be easy for us to just say, oh, this guy's not my brother. So therefore I can hate on whoever we hate. That's not what the point Jesus is saying. You have to love and especially those who are your enemies against you, who have discriminated against you, who have told you you can't have this job because of your skin color or who have perpetrated violence against you because of that. It doesn't matter. It is always love is always the answer from Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the world is an unfair place. If, if we can just take racism out of the picture for a second and let's just take uh, economic circumstances. A man who grows up very well off economically versus a man who grows up poor. Oftentimes, the man who has a lot of wealth will have more opportunities. 
while the man who is poor may not have the same opportunities. And that man who is poor may one day become a homeless person. And because he is homeless and on the street, he will be looked down upon. He will be discriminated against. He won't be able to find a job or not be hard because of his economic situation. We have unfairness on all fronts in this world. And the world especially hates those who are weak. But Yeshua, Jesus, he came and he did something the opposite. And he told us, he showed us an example to follow. He said, you need to love those, especially those who are weak. You need to help them. And we read about this, an excellent example, in fact, of it. With the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Now, I'm sure you've heard the story of it before, but you may not understand the deep rooted bitterness that the Jewish people had for the Samaritans and the deep rooted bitterness that the Samaritans had for the Jewish people. And I think if you understand it, you will see that it's not much different from many of the cycles we see today. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter 13, verse 28, we read about some of the events that contributed to the divisions between the Samaritans and the Jews. We read about how the grandson of the high priest, Elishiab, had married a daughter of Sambalit, the governor of the province of Samaria. For defiling the priesthood by marrying a non-Jewish woman, Nehemiah drove Elisha from Jerusalem, though Shabalat was a worshipper of Yahweh. And according to the historian Josephus, Sambalat then had a temple built on Mount Gerizim in which his son-in-law Elisha could function. Apparently, then this is when the full break between Jews and Samaritans took place. And according to John Mackenzie in the Dictionary of the Bible, the Samaritans later allied themselves with the Seleucids in the Maccabean Wars and in 108 BC. The Jews destroyed the Samaritan temple and ravaged the territory. And at the time of Jesus' birth, a band of Samaritans profaned the temple in Jerusalem by scattering the bones of dead people in the sanctuary. So we see that this priest married a foreign uh, wife and then he was kicked out and then he started his own temple on Mount Gerizim. And of course, then this war, if you will, between these two cultures started ensuing more and more when the, the Jews then went to destroy the temple of the Samaritans and the Samaritans went and they threw dead bones into the Jerusalem temple and which was one of the most horrific things that you could do against the Jewish people at the time. And this is what just happened when Jesus comes on the scene, when he is born. So there is deep rooted hatred between the Samaritans and the Jews. They are hurting each other. They are hating each other to the deepest degrees there, there is. And now Jesus has to do something about it to make a statement. And God decides to do it, not just with any Samaritan, but a Samaritan woman. Because see, even on top of all these issues, the women in the, in the day were looked down upon. There was discrimination in terms of even gender. Women were seen as lesser. In John 4 verse 7, we read, a woman from Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. 
The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. This woman is saying, you are approaching me, you're talking to me, I am both a woman, which that's one thing, and I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew. You shouldn't even be talking to me, you shouldn't be dealing with me, you're going to get in trouble if someone else sees you doing this. And he starts going and he's actually offering her, he's basically going to be telling her now, I am offering you living water. You, a Samaritan, you who I am supposed to hate, my culture says I should hate you because of what you did against us, even your people, how they came and defiled my father's temple in Jerusalem. That's what happened recently. Even up to that point, that's a personal attack, not just on the Jewish people, but on God itself, himself. And what does he do? He still goes to her and he says to you, I want to offer you living water so that you don't just have to come to the to back to these earthly things to try and get filled by all the things that the world has to offer. But I'm going to give you something that's going to fill you where you can actually be satisfied by. Verse 27, just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, why do you seek or why are you talking to her? So the woman left her water jar. And went away into town and said to her people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And that, this is why the disciples were so astonished that he was talking with a Samaritan and a woman. Someone who he's not supposed to talk to. And she went and she, it says that she left her water jar there to go to her people. She didn't even take it. And that water jar that she left represents the water that the world brings, right? The world brings us things that we drink and we, but we have to drink tomorrow again because we never get really truly satisfied permanently. But he gave her water that is a permanent satisfaction in the holes that she had in her heart. She had many husbands. She had all these issues and he gave her freedom and peace and hope. And that's why she left the world's water, because she had something that filled her in a different way, in a much more valuable way. And all this actually runs even much deeper. This hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans is, is even deeper than what we've discussed. Because you need to understand that the ancestors of the Samaritans are the Horonites. And many, of, many scholars actually believe that the Horonites were among the peoples that God drove out ahead of Israel as they were entering the promised land. For example, the Amorites, right? So in essence, what has happening is that this Samaritan woman represents a group of people, the people that actually came against Israel when they were coming into the promised land and God came and drove them out of Israel's way. So these people have an ancestry which is very much against God, very much against the things of God, against Israel to the greatest extent possible. And that is the person 
This woman representing all of these things as she's standing there as who Jesus goes to and he tells her, I want to give you life. I want to give you salvation. I want to give you freedom. Not because you or your ancestors deserve it because she had many sins. Her ancestors have many sins. They deserve none of this. But yet he comes and he says, I want to give you freedom. Because brothers and sisters, if you want what you deserve, then go to hell. If you want what you deserve, you deserve separation from God forever. You deserve nothing but death. And that's if we, we because we received this love from our father, like the Samaritan woman, we were all like that Samaritan woman against God in all ways. But God came to give her freedom. He comes and gives us hope and freedom. And because that's the way he treats us, how much more are we to extend that love to those around us, to those who even did things against us, whether culturally, racially, whether it's personally, it doesn't matter. We ought to love them because love is the only thing that will extinguish the fires that we are seeing today in America or the fires that is in my home country or the fires on any edge of the planet because it is only love that overcomes and wins. And that's why God loved when he died for us. And love was his motivator to die and save us. James 3 verse 8 says, But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? No. It only brings forth fresh water or salt water. What kind of water is your spring bringing forth? Is it the living water or is it a better water of the world? How do you respond when things are done against your, whether it's your race, whether it's your culture, whether it's your gender, whether it's you as a person, something done against you? How do you respond and how do you respond to the present situation that we are all so um, eagerly talking about? How do you respond in terms of that? Do you respond the way that Yeshua would to extend a hand of love to those oppressed, to those who have maybe been treated unfairly or to those you're supposed to hate? Maybe they weren't treated unfairly. Regardless, it doesn't matter how they were treated or how they treated you or who is to blame. It doesn't matter. What matters is you need to forgive. You cannot hold on to hurt. You cannot allow hate against you to produce hate in you. You cannot allow sin done against you to produce sin in you. For you will be the payer of that sin if you do not repent of it, even though that started with sin from the outside done against you. Brothers and sisters, this world is full of sin. But we as believers ought to be the examples of vessels without sin. So to have clean hands, to have springs that bring forth one type of water, and that is living water. And the same water that our Messiah gave that Samaritan woman at the well. That woman, his disciples thought he ought to hate. But yet he said and showed them and us 
No, we love all and especially our enemies. I hope that this message has blessed you and inspired you to walk more like Jesus and love. A special shout out and thank you to our partners who have made this teaching and every other teaching this month possible.